Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 131 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 18th, 2010. Got a really great show for you this week on the podcast. A couple weeks into fall camp, we got lots of USC news and recruiting stuff to talk about. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or now give us a call, 206 888 Six seven five five. Leave us a message, and we can answer your question. And you can hear your voice on the Peristyle Podcast. And in the first segment, we always love to talk to the coach Harvey Hyde. He was at Catalina the last few weeks. Went from the ocean to the desert. He's out in Las Vegas right now. We have Coach Hyde on the line. Coach, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I tell you, you're right. From the, from the beautiful oceans in Catalina now to the hot summer uh, in Las Vegas, but I'm up here now. I uh, have some shows to do up here and catch up on college football and uh, Ryan it's just great to be with you and we're getting closer and closer to that big date September the 2nd with college football I can't wait two weeks away or so did uh, I did an Omaha radio show yesterday coach and they were doing the countdown and got to talk some USC football they were excited too I mean they wanted everyone I would talk to they want to see some real college football it's fun to see camp and practice and all that but we want to see some actual college football and that will be coming up just in a matter of a couple of weeks wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment southern california tickets sctickets.com is the website or if you want to call them 1-800-888-7287 toll free if you need tickets for concerts sporting events theater you see the angels or the dodgers limp to the end of the season go to sctickets.com that's where we go check them out and uh coach just want to see what's going on what's going on there in vegas you having fun I'm having a good time, a lot of work, uh, but uh, talking a lot of football with a lot of guys who are on the other side of football, the guys that are the odd makers and give the numbers of how many wins teams should uh, win and all this and that. And and I like talking with them because it's a whole different side of how we look at it. And they love to talk to me because I give them my side of what the philosophy is and what's happening and the thinking of coaches and how the emotion of, of coaching changes and so on affect uh, players and teams and so on. So I have a lot of fun with some of the race and sports book directors. Plus, I do a lot of shows up here, as you know, weekly. So I'm up here, and I'm going to be doing them live. And it'll it'll be a lot of fun before I return back to Southern California on Thursday for a couple hours there at the Burger Continental, where you're going to be a guest of ours on USC Trojan Talk, uh, not this week, but next week. Next week I'll be up there. It's always fun to go talk with Coach at the Burger Continental, get a really nice Greek or some sort of uh, variation of that meal, talk some football. It's always a good time, Coach. It is a good time, and we have all the various different types of uh, uh, people from the athletic department there. We have a good group of people that do show up, and I'd like to invite people who do listen to this podcast to come by the Burger Continental every Thursday night. We do two hours of radio, but the USC Trojan Talk show is from 7 to 8, and uh, it uh, this week we have Pete Arbogast and he'll be our guest there. Pete will be on from 7 to 8, and 
Uh, it's at 535 South Lake in Pasadena, California. I think I better give the address. Yeah. Burger Continental, 535 South Lake in Pasadena. And next Thursday, I will be there as your guest. So if you want to come by and uh, you can chat with both of us from the podcast and uh, have some food with us, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Uh, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, Coach, hey, we got a couple more uh, voicemail questions in, so I wanted to start off with one of those right away. The first one up is uh, Rich, and it has to do with recruiting, having, you know, recruiting kickers and punters, and I think we've talked about something like this before with the new special teams coach, John Baxter, now in the mix. Here you go. Hi, this is uh, Rich. I'm uh, wondering now with the new special teams coach, uh, if that's going to help us as far as recruiting is concerned. I know both Hartman and Joe Houston are seniors. We do have a freshman coming in. Uh, but I went to uh, Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks, and over the years they've had guys come out, Chris Saylor, Nick Folk, and now Kai Forbath at UCLA, none of which went to SC. And I'm hoping with this new coach that uh, maybe we'll get a decent punter and a decent field goal kicker. I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on this particular subject. Thanks very much. Enjoy your show very much. It's uh, really nice. Take care. Bye. All right, Coach, what do you think? I'll tell you, first of all, I want to thank uh, him for calling in, and it's a darn good question. As a coach myself, I always allotted a scholarship for a field goal kicker, I was hoping that field goal kicker also was would be our kickoff guy and specialist. Uh, one scholarship I felt was always necessary to be able to, you know, you can win or lose a football game on an extra point or a field goal, and it's really important. When I send a kicker into the game, I want to have confidence that we're within his range. In fact, one thing I used to tell my kicker, how did you feel in warm-ups? Where do you think you're accurate here in this stadium? What yard line are we able to be able to go in and have the confidence that you're going to make the kick? And we would work on that in pregame. And he would tell me, he would come over even during a drive and tell me, here, coach, from here, the wind, I'm following it. I'm good from here. Put me in anywhere from here and I'll make it. Uh, you've got to have that type of confidence in your kicker. Uh, UCLA's kicker, this four-bath kid, God, what a tremendous athlete. The Luke Groza uh, award winner last year as a junior, just a tremendous kicker as far as putting every ball in the end zone, kicks uh, field goals. I think in the spring he had one. The spring game I went to, he had a 52-yarder, a 55-yarder. I mean, unbelievable to have that type of scoring machine. So I believe that you have to have a field goal and kickoff guy, and I'd like it to be the same guy. Now, as far as the punter's concerned, it's very, very important to the special teams the special teams are made up around their kickers. Of course, you've got to have snappers and cover well and do all the things thing above, like punt returners and so on. But you've got to have a punter that when you need distance, he can give you distance. That's field position. When you need a pooch punch, a punt, you've got to have a guy that's capable of doing that, rolling the ball dead on the five-yard line or kicking it out of bounds on the two. So I always did allow two scholarships during my four-year period as far as, you know, once you give that scholarship, you hope a kicker stays in school. Normally, they never come out early. If anybody was going to come out early, it would have been that UCLA kicker for Beth last year. He didn't come out early. He's going to be a senior this year. I think it's very, very important to have the confidence to be able to punt the ball with regularity and not inconsistency and also be able to kick off into the end zone and also be able to get the three automatic points. I really believe that. I think that's key. And 
I think John Baxter must, uh, I'm sure he realizes that. And I was very surprised, very surprised that that is something they didn't really go after this past year. Uh, Coach, and, you know, they uh, right now they already have a kicker from Bakersfield and a long snapper, uh, Peter McBride from Arizona, that are on the committed list for 2011. So it does seem like there is definitely more of a emphasis on that. And I think if you watch, just watching practice, they work on special teams a ton. I mean, they're doing it way more than I've ever remembered them working on special teams. I think they realize, you know, you're getting so many plays a game that are in special teams, you can't ignore it or, or put it off to the side. So I think special teams, there is a new focus on that. And having a guy like John Baxter, who's such a strong, has such a strong personality and such a following comes with him, and he, everyone respects what he does. I think Lane Kiffin, I mean, you know, John Baxter certainly will have Lane Kiffin's ear when it comes to recruiting and stuff like that. Now, the numbers are going to be limited, and even though, you know, with the sanctions and stuff, there's going to be some limited scholarships, but it looks like they are willing to spend scholarships there. So, all right, Rich, well, hopefully that question uh, was answered to your satisfaction. We thank you for calling in and sending that in. Again, if you want to call in and leave us a voicemail, you can hear your name on the podcast. It's 206-888-6755. Just call that number. Leave a voicemail. We'll get it. We can play it the next week on the podcast. Okay, next question, Coach. This is from our, our old buddy TD. He's now calling in instead of emailing the question, so that's good stuff. It's a question on injuries, so here you go. Hi, Coach Ryan and Coach uh, – hi, Ryan and Coach Hyde. This is Terry and Day, as you know, a very long-time listener to the program. I have a question today about uh, athletes who seem to fight injuries throughout their career. Uh, Blake Ailes comes to mind, as does uh, uh, McAllister. And I was just wondering, Coach, that in your past career, uh, what have you done, if anything, in trying to approach and deal with a player who from year to year appears to be injury-prone? Most of the time, getting those injuries and practices is not in. So if you could shed some light on that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, of course, I enjoy the show uh, very, very much. Thank you for the opportunity to make the call and ask the question. Goodbye. All right, Well, coach. thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ryan, I, I really appreciate that call, and that's a real good question, but that question really doesn't get asked often, and people really wonder what is uh, – the situation with, with a couple of these players at SC and also Coleman, the big offensive tackle, who had injury problems too. There are some players that just are injury prone. And I hate to say this, maybe they're just unlucky. Maybe they don't have the same pain uh, tolerance that some other players have. Maybe they're looking for a way to get out of playing and practicing. There's always a combination of that. And then there's just poor luck. There's just some players that, doggone it, they try so hard and they step in a, a hole on the field or they're injured off the field or they get the flu or they get mono or, or something that just continually happens to them. Blake Ailes, uh, you know, it's time for him to produce. In high school at Orange Glen, Orange Lutheran High School, uh, he, he was just a tremendous athlete. He still is a tremendous athlete. And I don't, I don't know just why he continually has these nagging, injuries, uh, hamstrings, shoulders, fingers. I, I don't know what it is. But, you know, the FC has really relied on him to be a great athlete, and he just hasn't 
done it. And I thought in the spring that he was started to look like he was going to be the athlete everybody expected him to be. And he just needs to get over the hump. He needs to have maybe some luck. Maybe he just had unfortunate injuries and so on. So, you know, you got to motivate some of these kids to sort of fight through some of these things. And I used to have an old saying, just a kid with the kids, I'd say, oh, it's your ankle? Well, it's not your heart. That's a long ways from what I really want. I need a heart to work properly. And sometimes they'd laugh and so on, or I'd say run it off or so on. But today you're, you're very cautious with injuries. And Safety is the number one factor as far as for athletes are concerned and so on. So you basically have to go by your, your staff and the professional doctors and so on that tell you whether it's a serious injury, whether a kid can practice or not practice. So you do have some players that unfortunately have these nagging occurrences of, of slight injuries, not major injuries, just enough with a slight shoulder separation or finger separation or high ankle sprain, something that just happens, and it seems to happen to the same guys all the time, and I really don't have the answer for it. Uh, I wish I could tell you exactly what the cure of this problem is, but I think, number one, a lot of it is pain tolerance. You know, some people can play on a knee that has bad cartilage or has torn a ligament and will never say a thing to you. In fact, you ask him, are you feeling all right? Uh, I think you're limping a little bit. He'll say, oh, no, coach, it's just a bruise. So you actually have to send this kid to the trainer. You have to say, hey, Bob, go over and see the trainer. You call the trainer over and you say, check on him, because I think he's got a concussion and he won't tell us. (laughs) And sometimes that's true. So, you know, you've got kids of different pain tolerance, kids that will play with pain, and then sometimes, you know, kids that are actually really hurt and just keep getting these nagging injuries. There's no real answer to it. I wish I had the answer. All right. Well, thanks very much for that question, TD, and all, and calling in. It's a, it's a new feature. I like it for the Peristyle Podcast. We get to hear from you a little bit. Uh, we have a more conventional question from Tom, an email question on running backs. Everyone's talking about having a one-two punch sim- similar to Thunder and Lightning that White and Bush gave USC, and uh, I think Lane Kiffin's kind of made that clear. He's not going to go with a huge rotation of running backs. He would like to get down to a couple guys. I can see what people are talking about with both running backs saying that it forces the defense to change speeds, but, he says, there's the need for both backs to be versatile. But in my opinion, you can't force a running back to be something they are not in terms of versatility, which leads the defense to play the percentages. My question, why not have a wishbone set up at times so they're the defense can't lean one way or the other. That setup would truly leave the defense guessing as to whether or not is a run up the middle, a toss, pass to Baxter out of the backfield, or just a pass to a wide receiver. And before I let you jump in on this, Coach, Lane Kiffin did come out and say this week that he doesn't really want specialty guys. He doesn't want guys to specialize um, you know, in a certain thing. And I, I think USC got into those kind of ruts before where they would bring in this wide receiver because he was the blocking wide receiver. It, Kiffin kind of made it clear this week that he wants guys to be able to do everything. So I think, Tom, that kind of addresses – I mean, he's looking to address your question of versatility, but, Coach, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Well, you know, that's the uh, primary thing you want. You want players to be able to do at all. So you don't have tendencies where people, as you said, and I feel that USC in the past has had tendencies. Certain people have been in the game for certain plays and so on. And uh, you don't want that. You want the players that are playing that are playing can pass block, and run routes, and also run with the football. And we discussed this last week. We want receivers 
who are on the field who can block as well as catch passes, you know. So you want that really in your offense. You don't want specialty, special players for special things. But again, you have a point here when you talk about special backs for certain situations. There's nothing wrong with having a rotation of or all backs, like two back sets with Bradford and Taylor in the ga- Tyler in the game at one time, or how about Havili and Bradford in the game at one time? Uh, you know, Havili can go out and be a flanker or come back in motion, and you have two great running backs, power backs, blocking backs in the backfield at the same time, and they are versatile players. They can do it all. And to be able to play uh, a Tyler and Bradford at the same time or Stanley Havili and a and Mark Tyler at the same time gives you an edge. I'll tell you, you better get up there and be ready to stop the run because these guys are great athletes and they can do it all. So, you know, rather than have the three receivers, you can sometimes use two backs in the backfield and throw teams off balance. And again, as far as putting pressure on the receivers or on the outside perimeter of a defense, I think that's very good. You've got to be able to run outside. You've got to be able to have the opposite team tackle. Their corners have got to learn to tackle, and your receivers have got to learn to block. Uh, A little option doesn't hurt. A little lead option where the quarterback goes down the line and you have a lead fullback like Stanley Havili leading, chopping down the force and tossing the ball. You don't like your quarterback to run the football. You'd rather have him toss the football. But you've got to put force on the outside by the corners. You've got to be able to stretch the defense both on the passing game and the running game. And I tell you, a little option to the outside certainly doesn't hurt. But again, you've got to be willing to work on it. And you've got to be able to spend time at it. And a lot of coaches say, we're not going to spend the time at something that we're not going to run that often, or we don't want our quarterback to get hurt or hit. So uh, I agree with what this gentleman has said. To put in the wishbone or something like that, it's a very difficult situation to run it properly. But, again, I've got to tell you, when I was coaching, I had what you call a three-back set. Down on the goal line, what I call breaker-breaker, which means we're going to make it or we're not. We're going to break their back or we're not. And we used to run our backs in there with power sets and different things, uh, power eyes like you used to see. And I did use that a lot. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. In fact, you can put your big guys in there. Like you see some guys putting a big fullback uh, in there to do the blocking or a big fullback at the running back. SC doesn't have to do that, but because they've got good blockers in Stanley Avili and so on. But to change it up a little bit, to give a different pace to the defense, I think it's good. All right. Well, Tom, we appreciate that question. And, Coach, we appreciate all the candid answers, as always. Thank you very much for uh, joining us from Las Vegas, your hotel room there. We appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll see you down there at practice next week, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm looking forward to that. I'm finally going to have an opportunity to get out and watch the Trojans. That's if they let us in practice, uh, Ryan. Yeah, there's some, there's some breaking news with that we're going to talk about in the next segment. But, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what's going on there. Well, we appreciate it, Coach. And, uh, again, enjoy Vegas. We'll talk to you next week. And thank you and uh, all our callers out there and people who uh, listen to the broadcast and also Southern California Ticket Service. Thanks to sctickets.com. Coming back in 30 seconds, we're going to talk to Dan Weber right from USC Practice. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. 
We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have a Peristyle Podcast first today. Uh, we are with Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer, who is at USC practice right now. So you might hear some of the whistles or horns or something or, or hey. Ed Orgeron yelling in the, yeah. uh, on the sidelines back there. How's it going, Dan? Hey, pretty good, Ryan. And not to uh, interrupt you and not to make this too difficult uh, or how should I say this? You said we have a first here? Yes. <laughs> And maybe also <laughs> a last. And oh. I'm not going to elaborate on that. Oh. I'm just telling you. There's some... may at the same time have a first and a last at the exact same moment. That okay. is, yeah, there <laughs> could be some unfortunate news coming down. We'll, we'll put it up on uscfootball.com when we make it through. But t- today is Wednesday. We're trying to avoid yeah. it. It may not be absolute, but uh, we're, uh, we're, working, we're working hard trying to see if, uh, if that's not the case. But uh, that'll just pique, uh, pique your curiosity, and uh, let's hope we don't have to tell you anything about it. But uh, we'll see. Well, he's down at practice. It's a two-a-day practice on Wednesday, uh, the morning, kind of a slower walkthrough sort of thing. And then this evening, they will have a, uh, a more, you know, spirited, full-contact kind of practice. No, no tackling, I guess, though, Dan. But they're, they're, they had a few injuries yesterday, and they're trying to uh, bounce back from that and keep these bodies fresh, I guess. And I do think what it makes the point that uh, for the people who are worried about the, uh, quote, no, no tackling practices and what have you, uh, there, you know, there, there's contact. There's a lot of contact, and uh, they're uh, going full speed, and you know they've got big bodies that run into one another full speed. So um, uh, I don't think you have to worry. I mean, I think I there have been some teams in the country when they've had injury issues or philosophy issues of coaches that they've decided to go pretty much no contact, and that can be an issue. I don't think it's anywhere any kind of an issue with this team, and 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 the kind of competitive athletes that they've got so uh as last night showed i mean there were a lot of collisions a lot of you know uh where you hear the you know face mask to face mask helmet to helmet you know guys go down like they got shot and they weren't tackled they just got somebody ran into them really fast yeah i think we saw marshall yeah there's a lot of contact yeah marshall jones i did that yesterday i think it was blake ailes caught a pass over over the middle and and Marshall Jones was just closing in on him, and it just so happened that as soon as Blake caught the ball, Jones was right on him, and boom, and it was a huge collision. So even though you're saying, like, yeah, there's no tackling, no, there's some still big collisions going out there. These are big boys running fast, and they can get hurt still. Yeah, it sounds the same. It really does sound the same. I mean, they're a little more conscious of not leaving their feet, and they're a little more conscious of, uh, of uh, uh, staying up and not going to the ground. Uh, and when they wear those... Uh, those half pants, those sort of football pants that uh, uh, cut off at the knees, they're, uh, they're pretty uh, conscious of that. So uh, that does, I, I think they're doing it absolutely as well as you could possibly do it uh, with what they're trying to do. I, I really, really do think that. All right. Well, I want to get an update maybe on the offensive line to start. You know, we had Butch Lewis, who's been out for a little while. Then yesterday, Heber gets a concussion. Mike Reardon, who seems to be 
injured fairly often. Uh, he had a hip problem. I mean, how's the offensive line looking right now? Uh, they're, they're, they just literally walked right in front of me, 10 feet away. Uh, Reardon looks fine. Uh, Lewis, they decided they were going to bring him back this week, and they decided to give him another week, and I think that makes sense. He's the most experienced uh, you know, offensive lineman they've got. Uh, I think the offensive line will be fine. Uh, those guys don't get the really bad injuries uh, most of the time. They're pretty well uh, protected, uh, and they don't really have somebody coming in. From, you know, it's, it's mostly a freak thing if they do get injured. So I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with their uh, uh, depth and personnel on the offensive line. I think they're in pretty good shape. I think they'll be, they'll be fine. All right. Well, hey, Dan, we have a uh, voicemail question for you on the uh, middle linebackers. He's from a Peristyle member named Rich, uh, Rich West. And uh, he's on the Peristyle. I want if you want to call in and leave us a voicemail for a question, it's 206-888-6755. Leave us a voicemail. We can play your voicemail on the podcast and answer your questions. Dan, I just wanted to give you this question from Rich. So listen to this one on the, the middle linebacker position. Hi, this is uh, Rich West calling, and I'm uh, on the Peristyle at uh, uscfootball.com under Clint West 1. Anyway, wanted to find out what your all's take on the middle linebacker position is. Is uh, Devin Kennard or my favorite, uh, Chris Gallipo, uh, looking to, to get the start so far? Anyway, thanks again for the podcast, guys. All right, what do you think about that, Dan? Okay, Chris, uh, I think they, they would have liked to be able to make the decision this week. I think uh, uh, Devon kind of stubbed his toe, uh, and he was, I guess, two days ago, they were calling him about 70%. So, uh, he got, you know, it's not real obvious that, uh, that he might be a little bit slowed down. And he's, you know, two, 240, and he just looks, you know, he, maybe he looks like almost, a, you know, an NFL tailback. And he, he runs like one, too. Uh, but uh, they're both going to play a lot. You know, I mean, I, you, if you had to guess, you would say that, uh, you know, if Kennard uh, is healthy, that um, – that maybe he earns the nod, but not for any reason that Calippo is not doing everything they could possibly want of him. And I mean, if you notice him on everything and pass coverage and hustle and, and, uh, you know, leadership and all that kind of thing. I do think that they think maybe Calippo has more, maybe ability to move him to say a stand up, um, uh, Clay Matthews type, uh, outside, uh, you know, rush guy, uh, in a two point stance, for example, uh, so, uh, you know, I think it, it might be one of those cases where if they play both of them uh, uh, together, Kennard might be the one that would stay at, at middle, and uh, and Chris would be the one that uh, would do uh, do some other things, which wouldn't surprise me at all. But uh, but you know, they're both, I think, you know, playing awfully well. All right, that, that Ryan is a freshman. He's going to be a freshman at USC, and he had a very similar question. And it sounds like you just kind of answered, but we can elaborate a little bit on the the middle linebacker. Co- uh, competition, is there a possibility of Kennard taking reps at outside linebacker to provide more depth? I mean, he he did play there before, but you think right now it's probably be Gallipo that would go outside. I think outside. they'd rather be, yeah, I don't know that they'd want to move him back again. He's the younger guy and he's, you know, and they've made him make the move, uh, you know, a couple of moves, and I think they would like to hold it, hold it right there. So they, they feel like maybe it's easier for Gallipo uh, to make the move now than to have uh, Kennard make another move. So I think uh, the thought was once he got there, the middle linebacker, that's, that's where he was going to stay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we had thought about that, too, since he'd come from outside. 
comes from, you know, uh, but no, they, they, I think they really want him to do nothing but think about middle linebacker. And I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, a couple of freshmen were made available last night. Uh, Kyle Prater, someone that we've talked to before, and Christian Thomas. I guess we could start with Kyle. He's been kind of, you know, these nagging injuries. He was the guy coming in there like, how is any freshman receiver going to pass him? You got Robert Woods and, and uh, uh, Marquis Thambles playing really well. And with the that combined with, with Prater, who everyone knows what he can do, just being banged up a little bit, it looks like, you know, he might not be the first freshman off the bench. Oh no! I mean, right now, if you if you throw in Dylan Baxter as a as a guy who lines up wide a lot, uh, Kyle would be the, the number four ranked freshman wide receiver at this point in time, which tells you something not so much about Kyle, even though it you know tells you in the spring he had the hamstring and in the in the fall he had this groin and you know he's he's a six five he's at least six five and he's just a young you know kid long and you know he people are getting into his body and doing things and he tries to really be tough and he tries to you know block people and he's you know all of that but i think the challenge uh for when you're you know and he's like 215 he's not not a you know skinny or even terribly lean but he uh i think it's harder to keep your body together at that age playing at this level of football uh when you're you know six five plus and so uh, it just, you know, takes some adjustment and what have you. And uh, uh, so he's out, you know, and he's toughing it out. And he's, he's, he's you know, dressed every day and he's, he's working every day and he's playing every day and he's in, you know, just doesn't get as many plays as he'd like or probably they'd like. But uh, there are so many, uh, you know, freshmen they can throw the ball to. And then, you know, you're getting back uh, guys like Devon Flournoy and, uh, uh, you know, Carswell was back for a little bit, and uh, you're just seeing guys that, you know, hadn't been back uh, are, are now starting to, you know, come back. And they've got to – when they go into specialty passing, they have a whole lot of people they can throw the ball to. I mean, a lot of people. It's hard to believe they've lost some wide receivers when you look at, uh, look at the guys that are here every day. I mean, it's just kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, so, Kyle, I think they know they don't have to push him. They know they don't have to bring him on. Uh, in a big hurry, and I think that's a good thing. And I don't think they're worried that, that he'll kind of take off or any, you know, as far as take the take the practice off or take the year off. I think he's shown that he won't. Uh, he really wants to, uh, you know, to be a part of everything. But uh, but the other three, uh, you know, it's hard to believe how good, uh, how accomplished, how talented, and you know, physically in every other way that. Uh, uh, Rod, you know Robert Woods and Marquise Amels and Dylan Baxter are. I mean, it's just uh, truly. I don't know that any of us, and that maybe including the coaches, has ever seen anybody uh, like this group. I mean, I think Lane was telling somebody the other day that they might be the best wide receiver group uh, ever in college football in terms of a recruiting class. You know, one group of, of guys coming into a class. They're just truly. Uh, uh, We've never seen anything like it here. You know, they had some pretty good players. Yeah. But, uh, that that amount of five-star guys in one group is pretty ridiculous. So, they, well, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and then to have them actually be able to, you know, contribute immediately and know what they're doing and be comfortable and confident and have them just run in there with the ones every day, every day. Uh, I, we haven't seen that. No. Well, one, one less weapon Matt Barkley has, at least most of the time, is uh, – Christian Thomas, he comes in with a trio of talented uh, freshman tight ends that came into the mix. 
Uh, he might be the most most athletic of all the tight ends. He could have been the best tight end out there, but they're moving him in defensive end for depth purposes. And he got to talk to the media last night. What was interesting about what uh, Christian Thomas had to say? Well, I really liked it that he talked about, uh, you know, his absolute number one priority is just playing. It's not offense or defense. Uh, and he talked about, you know, the things he can do. I said, you know, why did you end up, you know, they auditioned all three of you. Why, why did you end up on defense? And he said, well, Coach Orgeron wanted me. And then he, the next question is, why did he want you? And he said, well, you know, my speed. And then, and, and I thought this was really uh, insightful on his part. He said, in my acceleration. And that's the thing about him that's special. It's not just that he runs a 40 uh, and 4.5 and he's 233 pounds. It's he's full speed on second step. And if you're rushing the quarterback, uh, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been really tough on these guys coming off the edge because uh, if he gets any kind of, uh, you know, clear shot, he's in there, you know, two steps and he's in your face. So uh, I think that's what they like. They like the thought that, uh, uh, this kid is just so athletic, and uh, he will, uh, he will, uh, you know, if he's on the field and you're throwing the ball on the other team, you better know where he is because he will get to you very quickly. And he's hard for a, a defensive tackle to block. He was saying that what's, uh, he, he thought it was so cool that he said, I'm getting tips from Monty Kevin, you know. I said, what did he tell you? And he said, well, get in your sprinter stance, avoid the tackle, and hit the quarterback. Not real uh, sophisticated. It's just, and that's what he does. I mean, he can get – he's really going fast in his second step. And uh, that really – that gives him an edge. I mean, he's special. He, he's a special athlete. And uh, so I, I – and, and very upbeat kid. He just said, I'd like to play both ways, but I just want to play. So the more things you can do, the faster you get to play. And uh, he said, if this is the you know quickest way for me to play, he said, this is how I want to play. You know, I want to, and I want to be on defense. He's not one of these kids that's kind of moping around that he's not playing tight end. I think he's happy as heck that uh, he's uh, he can see the field from where he is, and and he can. He's uh, he's really gifted. We had a question, Dan, in the last segment with Coach Harvey Hyde about running backs, and uh, just from watching practice and stuff, I mean, I really thought that it was going to be a uh, Bradford and and Gable kind of running one two, and then Baxter get kind of thrown in the mix. But then Baxter gets suspended. Gable hasn't seen as much reps, and you know Bradford's still out there, of course. But man, I think Mark Tyler's really emerged as a guy that is they're they're putting a lot of trust in him, and I, you know we haven't really seen that in the past. What what's your overall assessment of how the running backs are doing right now? Yeah, I mean I think you're you're on the money. I think I I don't think I've ever seen Mark Tyler look as confident in his body is say last night i mean he's running with a bounce and when we talked to him the other day i said you know everybody wants to talk to you after practice now what's the difference or what's this like you know and he said oh it reminds me of high school you know and that's of course when he was a five-star player at Oaks christian and you know until he got injured in november his senior year and he was like you know all-american tailback linebacker do everything guy uh, and one of the brightest, you know, prospects certainly in the country. And, uh, he's, uh, he's back there to that point. If his, uh, you know, ankle foot holds up, which it certainly hasn't given any indication that it's not, uh, then I think, uh, he's right in the mix, you know, and then I think that helps push Allen. Allen, you know, hasn't gotten as many chances. And so maybe he's not as sophisticated a running back, but he's got an awful lot of ability and heart 
and uh, you call the right play and you get him moving. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, he's a tough kid, very tough kid. Uh, so and then uh, Gable, when he gets the chance, has looked good. He just he hasn't gotten the chance as much. So looks like they're having their final uh, as we speak, their final. Uh, uh, get together with Coach Giffen, and they're about to break the huddle. I hate to do this, but I think I may be having to go out there and uh, and talk to some players and coaches here in just uh, just a second here. Right? Uh, no problem. Hey, this, we appreciate your uh, taking some time out there. I know it's it can be hectic down there. Practice for the walkthrough. We'll let you go do your job and stuff. And we appreciate the insight. Thanks, Dan. There you go. You heard them. They just broke. Okay. See you, Ryan. Bye. All right. Take care, everyone. Else, back in thirty seconds, we're going to talk some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. Let's talk a little recruiting with uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Gerard, how's it going, sir? It's going good. Just uh, getting through the dog days of fall camp, looking forward to the season actually starting. And with the season actually starting, we'll see recruiting start to pick up again, especially September 1st when the coaches can start contacting the recruits. Yes, that'll be fun. There'll be a lot more recruiting stuff going on. Right now there's been a lot of Fall camp, a lot of football news coming out of fall camp a couple weeks in, but we do have some recruiting questions for you. So you wanted to get to those. We got to start off with an international question, Gerard. I know you love those from Copenhagen, Copenhagen, Denmark. This is Jeff. Uh, he has an international question. He called you Martino. So is that your? I don't know. Is that your new nickname, Gerard Martino? I like it. I think that might be Dutch. You know, <laughs> Martino, uh, Gerardo Martino. I'm good with it. Okay, Martino. What is the impact of the NCAA penalties on top recruits' perception of USC? Have you felt a reduction, hesitation, sl- uh, reduction slash hesitation in their interest? It just depends on the recruit. I think that uh, some recruits really take it into account, into the decision, but at this point are still looking at USC, still serious about USC. Um, I think that uh, some other recruits, mostly out of state, have looked at it and decided, you know, that's a situation where there's too much uncertainty and I don't want to go that far if I don't know what's going to happen. But truth be told, not a lot of recruits, especially top recruits, have really etched that out as, well, I'm not looking at USC anymore because uh, they're you know, going to be in sanctions and I don't know what's going to happen with the appeal and I want to play in a bowl game. Um, you know, Chantrell Henderson was probably the most vocal about it and he was already signed and ended up going to Miami and getting out of his letter of intent. Uh, but most of the recruits at this point that they've been recruiting – I think the guys that uh, that were considering USC and decided maybe with the sanctions and, and the NCAA's uh, announcement coming down, I think when they're on that 
kind of the edge of thinking, well, you know, I can consider USC. I might want to visit USC. And that was kind of the, basically the straw that broke the camel's back. So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, maybe it helped weed out some guys that weren't really, really serious about USC in the end. And, uh, you know, gets, you know, allows USC basically an opportunity to focus more on guys who are really serious, guys like Ken Turin, who, you know, obviously when you come in on an official visit and he's uh, been in town for about a week now um, and got to see USC and got to spend a lot of time on campus and a lot of time with the coaching staff, uh, you see that that's really – important to him and I think regardless of what happens to USC um, in terms of sanctions in terms of the NCAA there are other factors that are drawing him here and he's focused on those factors and USC's going to have a legitimate shot to recruit him um, so I think you know in general it's really I guess the weeding out process just started early for USC in recruiting with the sanctions all right well thank you for that one Jeff we love the international questions as always uh, I don't know any Dutch or anything I've got uh... That's what they speak in Denmark, right? I don't know. I can't really help you out, but uh, thank you very much for the questions. Keep sending those in. Uh, next one we have, uh, I, this is from Ian. He's a huge fan of the show. He loves what we're doing. Well, thank you very much for that, Ian. He was wondering how interested is J.D. Uh, J- uh, Clowney. Well, how do you say his first name? <laughs> I J- like the way you just Jadavion. cruise right through his first name. Clowney. You're the Clowney guy. Jadavion Clowney, yes, the number one recruit in the nation from Rockville, South Carolina, five-star defensive end, 6'6", 240, fantastic athlete, one of the fastest defensive ends you're going to see on tape um, probably in the last three or four classes. Athletically very similar to Ronald Powell. I think he's he's obviously a very raw-type player, um, pass rusher. I think more... Uh, less an athlete like Ronald Powell, where Ronald Powell could probably play tight end. Ronald Powell was actually being recruited by a long, you know, for a long time by USC as a linebacker, really looked at to play Sam linebacker for most of last year. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is definitely more of that straight-up pass rusher. Um, he's 6'6", so he could probably play strong side, but he's got the speed where he's probably going to play weak side. Um, but he's you know definitely one of the top players in the nation. Ed Erdron actually made the visit out there to Rockville, South Carolina um, to see him. Uh, play in person during the spring and so you know USC had a lot of interest in him is he going to go very far from home no I I think it's very doubtful I think right now he's looking at uh, South Carolina Alabama Georgia's in there Florida might have a shot but I've heard a lot from people in that region that it's really unlikely he'll leave the Carolinas and if he does maybe Alabama, you know, with the national championship, and if they can repeat that and they can look like they're going to have a, a dominant program for years to come, uh, they might be able to lure him away from home. But South Carolina kids are, are tricky. They're tough to, to recruit, and USC found that out with Alshon Dre- Jeffrey uh, a couple years ago, having him committed over the summer, came out here for a camp, and then, you know, basically on signing day, he decommitted uh, from USC to USC, University of South Carolina, and that's what you have a lot. A lot of those South Carolina kids uh, – um, come from more rural areas, and uh, they get real homesick real easily. All right. Well, thank you very much for that one, Ian. And sorry I butchered uh, Jadavion. Jadavion Clowney. I had it before, and I just like looked at it, and I couldn't say it. I'm not sure what's going on. Not here, an but... issue. You'll never meet him, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's okay. Sorry about Jadavion. We'll never get to meet. Uh, we have another international question, Gerard. Australia's number one USC fan, self-proclaimed, Tonks. That's what he says. He says, say good day to Coach Hyde for him. I will. I'll, I'll tell him that earlier in the show. We love his opinions. He wanted to know 
on the depth chart. He's anticipating the depth chart being a major problem in two or three years' time. And Lane Kiffin kind of alluded to that a little bit this week in practice, saying that, yeah, maybe we'll use some guys playing both ways. Uh, probably don't have to this year, but maybe in the years come, you know, in the, in the next couple of years, they might have to do something like that. And we saw, you know, Robert Woods, that could happen. We talked to uh, Christian Thomas after practice on Tuesday. He said the same kind of thing that he would, you know, he's playing defensive end now, but still going to run some tight end plays. He'd like to play both ways. So you might see that. I think that's definitely an indication that the coaches feel there could be a major depth chart problem. But his question is, while we are stacked with talent in certain key positions, do you expect or do you think we can expect an increased number of red shirts this coming season? And Gerard, you know, Pete Carroll wasn't big on doing the redshirt thing unless he absolutely had to. Not really sure how Lane Kiffin's thing is going to go. But as far as recruiting goes, how do you think that would all work? It's tough to say because you really don't know what's going to happen with the sanctions and the appeal because that could have an impact. Obviously, if USC can take the bull band this year and they can get uh, some type of reduction of the scholarship penalty, then, you know, it is what it is, and they play on, and they go forward, and they get this uh, this bowl band done this year, and, and they continue onward. Um, if things kind of prolong or there are other issues that come in, then maybe they start to look a little further down the line, and they try to develop the talent uh, on the roster and, and try to keep guys on the roster maybe for an extra year, uh, you know, by any means necessary, whether it be medicals or actual red shirts. Um, so it's kind of hard to see. The one thing – that also I tend to say no just at uh, face value is because of how good this freshman class has been. I mean, there's been some really good players, guys like Nikel Roby, guys like Robert Woods, you know, Marquise Ambles. There's quite a few players there that you look at and go, do you really want to redshirt this guy? I mean, this is a kid that can really contribute. He's already contributing now, uh, you know, regularly in fall camp and making an impact. And you realize with the depth, depth is already an issue right now. Um, I, I mean, people talk about it and they go, well, you know, two or three years down the line. Right now, you know, depth is a little bit of an issue. And you look at the, the linebacker position or you look at the tight end position. And, you know, there are guys there on the first, you know, first team and second team that are experienced guys and if everything stays good and there's no attrition then they're going to continue to play in USC won't have a problem and usually that's you know kind of how the red shirt thing can go I mean it's usually more or less you know we're going to have some injuries early in the season where we have to push somebody in uh to play early uh, a guy like a Kevin Ellison who ended up you know having to play really early in the season and then he himself got it ended up getting hurt uh, but those type of situations happen when guys go down and you start to see those opportunities for freshmen to play early if they're mentally ready and physically ready but this class there's a lot of that too, the tight end position being, you know, one specific position that jumps out. USC doesn't have much depth at tight end. They've got Blake Hale there, and he's really struggled with injuries and inconsistencies throughout his career. Uh, you have, um, you know, Red Ellison, who's really a little more of that H back blocking type uh, tight end. He might see a lot of reps even at fullback because Stanley Avili, with no Soma Vanuku on campus doesn't have a actual scholarship guy behind him uh, at fullback. So Red Ellison's kind of going to be playing two different positions. Then you've got, you know, uh, basically, you know, Jordan Cameron is, is, the guy who stood out the most at fall camp and is the guy that everybody's excited about because he's the new blood. He's the kind of prototypical 6'5". He's playing more like 250 right now. Looks like a great receiver, has a lot of natural receiving skills. But that's three guys we're talking about that are upperclassmen. And normally when you know on a on a on a on a team, tight ends you're talking about six deep. When you're using two tight end sets, which USC uses a lot of 
that's not a lot of depth to think that you're going to have to, you want to try to redshirt all those uh, tight ends, especially when some of those tight ends might be, again, playing both ways. You talked about it. You know, Christian Thomas, he's playing a lot of defensive end right now. Randall Telfer has also gotten some defensive end reps. We're not sure what's going to happen with Xavier Grimble. Xavier Grimble has been the one guy that's actually stayed put at tight end throughout fall camp, but he looks like, I mean, he would have a great shot at maybe developing, redshirting, and growing into an offensive lineman, maybe a left tackle. So you have a lot of different options, but again, Right now, when you don't even have 75, you know, people are talking about whether they're going to be on the 75 limit. Well, guess what? They're below 75 right now, this year. There are going to be some depth issues, so that might have to push some of these freshmen into playing. And the good thing for USC is that this freshman class is quality enough to come in and actually contribute. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's mentioned that quite a bit in practice, the depth chart. I mean, our count is 71 scholarship guys right now. He said at any given time there's like 13 or 14 scholarship guys out. We can't really figure that out with our math, but you know he's thinking that there's like in the mid-50s a lot of times guys on the roster. I mean, you know, that are available, scholarship players available. So depth certainly is a concern, and you know a few guys got injured in practice on Tuesday. So there's, you know, there's definitely always going to be a concern there. They're they're probably going to be hovering around 70 scholarships for the next few years, depending on what the sanctions are. So yeah, I think there will uh, be guys that have transferred out, or there'll be guys that. Uh, you know, maybe in the last recruiting class that didn't end up at SC, a guy like Ronald Powell comes to mind where you go, you know, it's a guy that looked at the depth chart and said, oh, you know, defensive end, I'm not going to be able to start right away. But, you know, Nick Perry gets hurt and all of a sudden we're going, wow, you know, Ronald, Ronald Powell, Malik Jackson, those guys would be playing right now and might have a shot to play yeah. with Nick, Nick Perry having a high ankle sprain and those high ankle sprains tend to linger. I mean, it's really... The talk of your one snap away is really true. And even on the most talented teams in college football, if you're a freshman or you're a sophomore and you're just a really good player and you play hard and, and things happen for you and you learn the playbook, you're going to be in line to play. I think playing time is available across the board. And that's why USC has had so many freshmen, regardless of you know the talent they've had on the roster, Guys that have been really good players that played early, guys like Taylor Mays, guys like Brian Cushing, guys like Ray Maluga, all those guys played as freshmen, and they were still very talented you know, teams. They weren't on bad teams by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, I think it, you know, definitely attrition is always an issue, and in fall camp, it's stressed a little more. And I think maybe you know, Lane's doing also a good job of kind of overplaying it to some extent. I think there's a little bit of, you know, I heard a lot of the talk of, well, we can't tackle anymore, and that stuff has been taken in People are running with that across the Pac-10, and I heard in a press conference with Rick Neuheisel and one of the UCLA reporters there at practice talked about, you know, would you go to the extreme of not tackling in practice like USC has done? I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've been to USC practices. They're still tackling. (laughs) They're still hitting each other. There's no, you know, but the perception is, you know, hey, you know, we're really light on numbers right now. We can't have too much physicality. And so I think Lane Kiffin's smart enough to kind of play that up a little bit. This team, you know, when it comes to being physical, I don't think that's going to be the biggest issue in the world for them uh, when they actually start to play football games. So we'll see how it goes. I, I think um, it's, it's definitely an issue when you talk about the freshman in depth. That's definitely going to come in play. But also, I think uh, there's a little laying it on sick. There's some sandbagging going on in, in fall camp. A little sandbagging. Nice. All right. Well, hey, one last question, Gerard. It's from Joe. And uh, it's, a, it's a rankings question. And, and the Rivals 100 did come out. This week and uh, the Rivals 250, I think, comes out. Is it comes out today, right? Wednesday, right? Is that right, Gerard? Or does it come out later in the week? Follows usually right after the Rivals 100. I'm not sure if it's going to be tomorrow or it'll be a little later in the week, but yeah, it usually follows right after. Okay, so that's the 2011 prospects, the Rivals 100. You can check that out. Go to 
uscfootball.com. You can see where all the USC uh, players that they're recruiting are ranked. But he has a question for the recruiting guru, so I'm going to assume that's you, Gerard. Um, playing re- player rankings across different outlets. And now we can really only speak for rivals. Uh, that's what we've been with. That's kind of what we know. But he was looking specifically at quarterback Cody Kessler, who rivals has the as the number two quarterback and they do divide quarterbacks into dual and pro. And I think Cody Kessler is ranked number 70, I believe, in the country in the Rivals 100. So he's one of the top 100 players in the country. There is another ranking out there, and you really don't need to check anything else but Rivals. But if you do happen to look at another ranking, you'll see that Cody Kessler was ranked number 30, the 30th quarterback. Not, not the 30th player in the country, but the 30th quarterback. He attended the lead 11. And was one of the top two or three performers there. I think he was probably the top performer there. What's the deal? How can rankings of a player be so far off from each other? East Coast bias, maybe. That's what Joe wants to know. Well, basically it has to do with exposure and not just exposure of the kids and where they show up, but sometimes just the amount of evaluation that people have been able to do on them. Um, I don't know that everybody's had the equal evaluation on Cody Kessler. You know, we've watched him play uh, since goodness last year we saw him at a couple camps UCLA USC and really USC was the first time we saw him and it was a weird thing because you know he's not a big kid he's not that overpowering you know Max Wittick is a, is a big you know 6'4 almost 6'5 you know 220 pound quarterback and has that big look to him Cody Kessler is not a big guy he's about 6'1 he's definitely bulked up more this year about 210 he's got a little bit of that linebacker look this year so he's definitely looking a little more impressive physically but you know we saw him as a junior and he was a small little kid but he was still the best quarterback at the Rising Stars camp last year. And we all kind of looked at each other and we watched and watched and said, you know, Jesse Scroggins is the guy everybody's here to see because Jesse Scroggins is the guy that's, you know, in line to get the scholarship offer from USC for the 2010 class. But this kid, Cody Kessler, just seems to be the most efficient quarterback out there. And so we took that, and then as time progressed and he started to show up, you know, to more events and, and started to come into his senior season, people began talking about Cody Kessler more and more. And it was one of those things where, you know, people had seen him at separate events and had the same opinion. It became a consensus. And, you know, people were calling me and emailing me and going, man, you know, that Cody Kessler kid, he, he might have been the best guy at the regional 11. I said, you know what? He was the best kid at the Rising Stars camp, and we had a bunch of guys that were really good players there, and he ended up being the actually the best quarterback when it came down to who was completing the passes and who really had the best arm. And so it becomes that consensus opinion where everybody's kind of talking, and then you get to see him after that opinion seems to be a majority opinion, and you look at him down, you know, at this summer where we look at, you know, the Elite 11 where there's actually, you know, the best players from all those regional events get together and we watch them play uh, a little more head-to-head. Um, now, obviously, when we get into the season, there's a lot more evaluation that goes on. Rivals does not put a full stack of five stars out there for the initial rankings because, quite frankly, and I agree with this policy, that you're looking at a lot of kids and ranking them on a lot of non football activities in, in, in essence they're not really playing football so much as they're doing seven on seven they're doing passing leagues and truth be told even though that's very important for a quarterback and you think you get a lot more out of evaluation uh, watching those type of drills than you know you would with a lineman or maybe even a linebacker it's still not a football game so you have to look at that in con- you know also in conjunction with actual football tape and watching kids in person and that's again where you start to see a separation between people who've actually seen kids and people were just watching maybe, you know, three minutes of a highlight reel. And you start to see, I think, the most important thing for fans 
to really take into consideration when they're looking at rankings is not so much the ranking, but the person ranking, how do they explain why that ranking exists? If you get a ranking and somebody says, you know, Cody Kessler is the 30 best, the 30th best quarterback in the entire nation. You say, well, listen, that seems very extreme to me. That, that seems like that's pretty low. There are a lot of other people out there that have, you know, been to his events, sponsored his events. They you have to figure out why. And if why doesn't jive for you personally when you read about this kid and you read his scouting report, then you know that person maybe is not credible. And that's how you have to go about it. I think it's really more important, the recruiting process and the evaluation process and the scouting process is always more important when you're talking about the explanation than the actual result of the ranking. Uh, I think that's where the inside is held. So, you know, the numbers besides the guys, uh, the prospects, you know, ranking and, and his profile, I don't think it means as much as, you know, how do people People come to those conclusions, and overall, you know, how does it mix together um, with the other opinions that are out there? So, uh, how everybody comes to their conclusions is, is, you know, like you said, we can only speak for how rivals does it. I don't always agree with rivals. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that they do. Uh, the committee of rankings uh, and and those guys who get to see things, they don't see everything I see, and I don't see everything they see. So again, even on that level, there's tiers of. Uh, opinions that don't always, always, you know, always jive. I know one thing is that if you subscribe to the Peristyle and you ask me about a kid, I will give you a straight up definition, explanation about everything I've seen on him. And if I haven't seen anything on the kid or I haven't seen enough to form an educated opinion, I'll let you know too. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I think that's also a very important part when you start talking about the word expert in recruiting. I've always said on the message boards, I think a recruiting expert is basically the one-eyed man in the line of the blind. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, their opinions, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's an exact science. You know, some kids are great, some kids aren't, but uh, it's just not – it's just about how much you see them play and, again, the explanation. And if, if, it, get, if it gives insight – to the subscriber and, and to those guys out there checking out the recruiting process and, and following it, I think that's really, you know, the value of it. It's definitely more the inside and not necessarily the numbers game. All right. Well, Gerard, well, Joe, thank you for that question. And Gerard, thank you for the very thorough answer there. We, I think we understand that a little bit better. Of course, the ranking is very subjective, but, you know, I would definitely check out USCfootball.com. And the Peristyle, Gerard's always answering questions. On recruits, gets a lot of detail on there, and he, he checks a lot of guys, so it's all good stuff. But, Gerard, thanks very much. It's been another fun podcast. We're glad we got to have you back on Talk Recruiting, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Definitely. Uh, thanks for everybody listening to the podcast as usual, and uh, we'll do it again uh, next week. I don't know what uh, the countdown is going to be, but uh, football season is going to be starting here pretty soon in September, so it'll pick up, and uh, we'll hit some games, and uh, hopefully everybody will be listening tune and. We'll uh, hear about the latest in recruiting and USC football news. Certainly. Two weeks left till the season. Should be a lot of fun. For Gerard Martinez, the rest of the USCfootball.com staff, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you for checking out the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 